Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. You're really going to enjoy today's program. Danny Anderson is with me. Uh, Danny's the executive director of the Independent Living Resource Center uh, here in Santa Barbara. They're all over the country. They serve individuals with disabilities in amazing ways. So stay tuned. You're really going to like it. Danny Anderson on The Good Life. Next. Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. I'm so glad you joined us today. Uh, as always, we want to remind you, if you want to see all of our interviews, uh, you can see them at goodlifetelevision.org. Goodlifetelevision.org. They're all there, so if you miss one, uh, for those of you joining on TV Santa Barbara or somewhere else, welcome. It's great to have you with us. And I have a special guest today I'm, I'm so excited to introduce to you. Uh, Danny Anderson is with me. She is the executive director of the Independent Living Resource Center here in Santa Barbara. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. Having me. Yeah. Before we get into kind of your work, tell me a little bit about your kind of growing up. And you, I know you were from Thousand Oaks, mm -hmm. uh, but kind of tell us a little bit about your family growing up and yeah. what life was like. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Thousand Oaks. So were both of my parents, Dave and Lisa, both born and raised there as well. And I have a younger brother named David. He's about eight and a half years younger than me, so quite a bit of an age difference. Um, and I was um, born with muscular dystrophy, so I've um, had you know trouble walking and some mobility issues for my whole life that have kind of progressed over time. But um, growing up in elementary school and junior high, I was running around. I was a tomboy back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then going into high school, I started transitioning into using a wheelchair and everything that comes along with that. Um, I was very lucky. I grew up with parents that were very much whatever you want to do, we're going to figure out how to help you do it. And so wow. it was never like a, you can't do this because you use a wheelchair. And there were some things that I wanted to do growing up that everybody at school was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. And my mom was my biggest advocate and would say, if she wants to try it, let's just let her wow. try it. Wow. Um, my little brother's a, a jock, he played football, so I got to kind of get the sports through him. Nice. Um, and then as I got a little older, I went to a program in Sacramento called the Youth Leadership Forum for Students with Disabilities, and it brings high school students together to sometimes for the first time see that there are people like them mm. um, that are young and have disabilities just like them and are experiencing it in their own way. Wow. And it really just opened my eyes to kind of what I wanted to do with my life. And I woke up one day when I was like 20, I think, 19, and told my parents, I think I want to move to Sacramento and go on this independence journey. And they cried for a couple weeks, <laughs> but they always say, we told you growing up that, you know, anything you wanted to do, you could do it. So wow. we can't say no now. So I did. I went and lived in Sacramento for about six years and worked for state government and got a lot of great experience. And then I was ready to, ready to come home to Thousand Oaks where we... I've always lived, and, uh, and I bought a house in Camarillo, went to CSU Channel Islands, and found ILRC, Independent Living Resource Center, and been there ever since. I don't know a lot about muscular dystrophy, mm -hmm. but tell us a little bit about it. I mean, kind of, so it's something that didn't affect you when you were young, but it, it, mm -hmm. it becomes a progressive problem, is that? It depends on the kind of muscular dystrophy that you have. So I was born, in the 80s before there was blood tests that would pinpoint exactly what type of disability you had. So when I was born, it, uh, cerebral palsy 
was very, very prominent, mm -hmm. um, that diagnosis. So originally that was what they thought I had because um, there was weakness. I was delayed in starting to walk. When I did, I tripped a lot. Um, and then we went and we went to doctors who just by kind of looking at you would diagnose you. That's how it used to work. So they diagnosed me with something called Charcot-Marie-Tooth, which is one of the, I think, 52 types of muscular dystrophy that there are. And then each has like a subtype under it. Oh, and until I was 26, we thought I had Charcot-Marie-Tooth. Um, and then we went to UCLA and we saw a muscular dystrophy specialist who looked at me and said, you don't have Charcot-Marie-Tooth. We're gonna do a blood test that they have now. And so we did a blood test and it turns out that I don't have Charcot-Marie-Tooth. I have a form of spinal muscular atrophy called um, distal spinal muscular atrophy. So there's three main types, one, two, and three, and then there's distal. And at the time, and for years after, I haven't checked recently, UCLA had never seen someone make it to 26 with my form of muscular dystrophy. Really? Um, they, uh, usually there's respiratory implications. For whatever reason, I didn't get that and usually they pass away as babies. So wow. was a, I was called rarer than rare at the time, but I don't uh. know if they've found others yet. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. And you've never had any respiration issues? No, no. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, it, so it, it has affected your mobility. I mean, Correct. so you, your mobility kind of gradually mm -hmm. became more challenging. Is that <laughs> kind of what happened? Yeah, I walked until, I walked full time until about sixth grade and then I started transitioning into just like a little foldable manual chair. And then in late middle school, early high school was when I started transitioning into a scooter. Um, and then when I moved actually up to Sacramento is when I went full time into a power chair. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you've been, uh, and we're gonna talk about this, but you've been a dis disability advocate for many years. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanna talk about that. I think it's amazing what you've done. Um, and, and I don't know if all these numbers are current, but <laughs> what I've read, you've had 16 years of working and volunteering within the disability community. And in 2013, you were honored by the California Department of Rehabilitation as one of the 50 most notable people in the disability community. Mm -hmm. So this has been something that's been in your heart for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, what has changed in the last, you know, 10, 20, or more years, in terms of dis, dis, the disability community and inclusion, ways of looking at things, how has it hopefully progressed, but how has it changed over the last period of time? I would say in my experience over the years, um, there was definitely personally a shift for me between, between when I was a kid trying to fit in with all the able-bodied kids at school and when I realized that disability was not just something that I have, but also could be a career path, it can be um, an advocacy path, it can be so many pieces as that co-culture that's part of me, if you will. Right. And so a lot of people with disabilities, I think, feel um, pitied or as if um, they're not as much as someone who doesn't have a disability because of that disability. And what I've worked really hard to do and also the other independent living centers th throughout the country and worked very closely throughout the state. There's 28 independent living centers in the state, um, which we can talk more about yeah, when we talk about yeah. my job. Um, but all of us, we, we look at disability through the lens of how can that person with a disability um, have pride in it? Understanding, of course, there's struggles associated with mm -hmm. it, but really there's a, 
It's the barriers that are created by the world that are causing the struggles, whether that's attitudes, architecture, communication, whatever it may be. And oftentimes that's just ingrained in people, right? Like the yeah. way they grew up, but don't right. stare at people, it's mean. When they should have just said, hey, how come you're using that wheelchair? You know, when they were a kid, but a lot of kids grow up thinking, oh, I, sh I shouldn't stare, I shouldn't ask questions. Right. And then it leads to a really quiet world when there's one in four Americans with disabilities if we're not gonna talk and ask each other's questions. So I think I've noticed Notably in the last maybe 10 years, a shift in increased communication between people with and without disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's re really attributed to the advocacy that people like myself and my friends who have disabilities that are professionally involved in the disability sector have done. But also I think the media is starting to slowly get on board yeah. with not throwing out the pity card with every single story about disability. And I think that's really helpful. There's a lot of TV shows about people with disabilities, getting married, having kids, doing the things that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, people just assumed we didn't do. Right. So I think that there's a media component, an advocacy component, and also just a bunch of us who are just sick of being kind of looked at like, oh, your life is so sad and, right. and exhibiting something different. That's so true. That's great. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your organization. Yeah. So, so is, is the, so you mentioned that there's 28 Mm -hmm. Branches, or so um, I won't. I won't go through the long story. But um, <laughs> basically, back in the '60s, a guy named Ed Roberts, who was significantly disabled with polio, started the first independent living center in Berkeley, California. Okay. We are the fourth or fifth that ever opened in the world, and there's now one in every county in the United States, and there's some internationally. So there's wow. somewhere around 500 independent living centers worldwide. Um, there's 28 here in California. So we're all private nonprofits that are joined by the core services that we provide, but okay. we also have the opportunity to look at our local communities and say, you know, we have a, for example, us, we have an increased number of deaf individuals in our area, especially in North Santa Barbara County. So we have more services for individuals experiencing deafness than maybe another independent living center okay. would. Um, so yeah, so we're connected in, in what we do. But, but we you're also, your own nonprofit. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about what you do. So, so, you, so you've got a nonprofit, mm -hmm. standalone nonprofit in Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. Independent Living Resource Center. You have your own board. You're the mm -hmm. executive director. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you have some, some staff. Of, yeah. And um, what do you do? I mean, I, I've read a lot about it, and I don't want to try to summarize it. I'd right. rather you summarize it. Absolutely. But talk about kind of what you do and what the resources that are available sure. are. Uh, so our service area is actually all three counties, Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo counties. Okay. And between those four offices that we have in those areas, we have about 22 staff members okay. right now. And uh, they're all advocates. So each of our advocates is focused on certain services that we provide. Um, examples being housing assistance, helping people find affordable, accessible housing, which isn't easy to do in the one. areas that yeah. we serve. Um, benefits, helping people um, get on Social Security benefits if they need it, but more importantly, helping people get off of benefits and become integrated members that are working in their community. Mm -hmm. um, that's really, really important to us because being on benefits for your whole life is living in poverty, mm -hmm. and that's not what we want for the people we right. serve. Um, assistive technology, helping people get canes, reachers, wheelchairs, speech programming, whatever they may need. Um, 
transportation. We have programs specific to disability groups. We have an older individuals who are blind program that serves people with severe uh, vision loss or blindness. Mm. Um, but the overarching kind of mission of what we do is we help people with any disability of any age and any income level with free services to help them either remain or become more independent. And the even bigger goal is to keep people with disabilities who don't belong in a nursing facility out of nursing facilities. Because it just wasn't long enough ago that I would have been in a nursing facility. It would have just yeah. been assumed that that's where I would spend my life. So right. we just try to keep people in the community, whether that's through advocacy, individual or systems advocacy, independent living skills training, or just helping them get set up in a more accessible environment for them. Wow. And how are you supported? Is it individuals? Is it government? It's uh, all of the above. Everything. So we receive federal funding, state funding, county funding, um, individual uh, donors. Uh, we also had our very first fundraising gala last year. We you had did. to cancel so it this we. year. Oh, good. <laughs> we had yeah. our first one in 62 years. Wow. But tell me about yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to hear about yours too, but um, it was our first in 43 years. Oh, wow. Um, and we had it at the Santa Barbara Club and it was just the perfect, perfect night. Nice. Um, we had to cancel this year's, but we're hoping to be able to pick it up what again What time of year will you have that every year? October. October. The third Saturday in October is our hope. Okay. Mm -hmm. And before I forget, what is your website? www.ilrc-trico.org. Got it. Okay. So you, so you serve the Tri-Counties. Yes. Um, so if someone's watching this and they have, they have an issue themselves or they have a friend and there's a need. Mm -hmm. How, what kind of walk us through how somebody is taken in or processed by your yeah. organization? Um, so let's say someone here in Santa Barbara has a friend who needs some assistance. They can call and our information and referral specialist, it's Rosa here in Santa Barbara. Um, they are bilingual as well. Um, she'll answer the phone and she'll kind of get a little bit of information about what the person needs. So if they need help with say housing and assistive technology, that's two different advocates. Um, and they would connect probably to the housing first because that can be a longer process. Mm -hmm. And um, the friend can call and get information, but a really com important component to what we do is that it's consumer driven. So the individual with the disability isn't just coming to us to get a bunch of services done for them and us you know, put a nice bow on their new house and everything right. they need. They have to be a part of the team that's mm -hmm. part of the independent living mm -hmm. piece of what we do. So eventually the friend would share with that consumer or that individual with a disability, um, this is who you should be calling to set up a meeting to you know, uh, provide them with your information and talk about what your goals are. And then we set an independent living plan, an ILP, and that's the goal of what we're gonna work on together. So mm. it may start with applying for affordable housing and then it'll break down what the staff's going to do to help towards that goal and what the consumer's going to do to help towards that goal and then we basically help with case management through the entire process and then we're in regular communication with them things are going to come up you know as we're working towards a goal that may create another goal um, but each of my advocates is focused on certain things mm -hmm. so like our community living advocates they do housing transportation and personal assistance services and mm -hmm. then we have an advocate that handles assistive technology benefits um, so it's all kind of all separated out by kind of groupings that go naturally together mm -hmm. and oftentimes they're working as a team with the same person and so there's kind of like the advocates are kind of specialists in their area mm -hmm. and they all work together on this ILP yeah. that 
probably changes, you, you said, I mean, changes over time. Mm -hmm. So the needs change. So you're not a kind of one and done kind no, of a deal. not at all. This is a relationship mm -hmm. over time. Yes. Is there, is there a quarterback caseworker or is it just kind of everybody? It's everybody working, working together. I mean, we have staff members who have been with us for 30 years. Really? Yeah, and we have some that, you know, just started a month ago. We actually just hired five new advocates because of increased funding around certain things, emergency preparedness being one of them. Um, in the last three months, we've hired five new people. So we have wow. the newbies and we have the ones that just really found what they wanted to do, and they're just amazing. We have three or four staff that have been there for tw at least 25 years. Wow, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Um, how many do people do you think you serve in the Tri-Counties? Do you know? Um, I believe we serve around a thousand people a year that are actual consumers. So they've come in and done that meeting, they've done all the paperwork and they've set goals. But on top of that, we also have the information and referral side of what we do, okay. which basically is I'm calling, but I don't really need to set a goal. I just need some information. Ah. Um, where can I go to get a free eye exam? Or where can I go, who should I call about this? And it right. may or may not be something that could be a goal, but it has to be their decision whether or not they wanna be a consumer yeah. or if they just wanna be provided information. If we're counting the information and referrals in, um, it's probably more like 2,500 people that we serve in some way every year. Wow. So you're really, a, a re, you truly are a resource center. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you're bringing expertise to the table, you're answering questions, you're giving counsel, but mm -hmm. it's a it's a resource center. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when you, I mean, when we're talking about independent living for people with disabilities, you're, you were talking about blindness mm -hmm. to, you know, probably brain injuries. I mean, is it kind of across the spectrum of? Everything, yeah, mobility, mental health, uh, apparent disabilities or hidden disabilities, temporary or permanent. Anyone wow. experiencing, dis um, you could have broken your leg last week and just need a wheelchair for a couple of months and we can help with that. Wow. So yeah, we help any any disability experience. I'm gonna say it again just so everybody gets it. ILRC-trico.org, mm -hmm. got it, yeah. Um, when I, I'm talking to you, I think there's one word that comes to my mind, empowerment. Thank you. I, I, I feel like you're, what you're doing is empowering people who have a, an issue or a problem. Mm -hmm. 50 or 60 or 80 years ago, they may have been discarded or, like you said, housed, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, and I've heard horror stories. We have a brain injured child, mm -hmm. actually with, had a stroke in the womb. Wow. We may be calling you. Okay, please do. <laughs> she, she'd, be, she'd be characterized as cerebral palsy. Okay. And I've learned a lot about, you know, ki kids like her, what would have happened to her a long time ago versus what's happening now. Right. And one of our goals has been, okay, Ella Claire, you know, two-thirds of her brain was damaged, wiped out, whatever, severe. Mm -hmm. But over time, by the grace of God, and a lot of people like you, with expertise, mm -hmm. our th our kind of perspective changed from the the pity, like what does this mean? You know, right. what do we do now? Man, this sucks. All the things she can't do, mm -hmm. to who's God made her, yep. and who what are her unique gifts, abilities, um, and it's been a ball. I mean, I got to tell you, after 18 years, don't tell my kids this, but she's my favorite. You know, she, her, her unique gifts and abilities, her, her joy, 
the things that she brings to to our family are unbelievable and so valuable. But I but I feel like what as parents, what we've kind of been called to do is to bring her best self to the to the table. What are what is she you know where is she strong? Where is she? What does she bring to the table? And I, it's, it, when I hear you talk, I, I feel like you're doing the same thing. Instead of looking at problems, and I know there's, we all have to look at problems, but you don't stare at the problems, it doesn't seem like, all day. You're looking beyond that. Is mm-hmm. that, am I? Yeah, I mean, right? that's what we organizationally and me personally are trying to do is look at the positives. Do I have rough days where I'm just like, God, life would be so much easier if I didn't have to deal with all of this added stuff? Sure, I mean, that's just natural. I think that yeah. anybody has those days, disability or not. But what it really comes down to it is what is the big picture and how do I want to spend and live my life and help other people do that? Because oftentimes people just give up and they think that these supports aren't available to them. But I I know professional people in very high positions that have 24 hour personal care or have assistive technology that does a lot of things for them to make them be able to be these professional independent people. And you know, 2020 has been a crazy year, but we live in a time when technology is just there and you know, things are set up to allow us to definitely more easily uh, live the lives that we want to live but you have to and it sounds like you have a very similar way of of raising your daughter as my parents did it's Mm -hmm. very much you know what can we do to support her to succeed and be happy in in the long term right and i think that's really what it's about yeah well and looking at you it's so hopeful and amazing uh your parents must be proud i mean you've you from experiencing muscular dystrophy and being a rare case mm-hmm. to be an executive at a significant organization that's serving a lot of people. This is an amazing story. Thank you. You should write that down sometime. <laughs> I, I will. I will. <laughs> I think it's incredible. I'm not good about uh, at writing about myself. I think that that's a common thing with people. It's harder to write about yourself than it is to write well, about I think others. Somebody needs to hear about this. <laughs> so at least we got it on t- TV now. I like to think that I'm their favorite. But every time, right. don't tell David. Right. Every right. time that they mention it, or, or I mention it around David, they say you're our favorite daughter. daughter. Right, right. And then it just ruins right. so, it. So yeah, if David's <laughs> watching, you're special. You're, you're special. Um, well, it's so great to meet you. Thank you. And it's thank you for you. what you do. For people who are watching that want to be involved, I'd love them to go to your website. You have an October in a normal year. You'll have an October yes. event, but people can support you and people can know about you, mm-hmm. most of all, which I think is great. Yeah. But thanks for what you do. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you next time.